Hey, Grindhouse girls, friends, and fam. Just going ahead and letting you know we have been trying a new setup for recording. So the quality for this week isn't quite as up to par as we would like it to be. However, we still wanted to bring you the episode. Thank y'all for bearing with us as we try to figure out our new recording situation. On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. She was telling, quote, very personal, very specific stories that no one else could tell. After directing multiple shorts, she was ready to bring to life a story that took her almost eight years to write. A story that contained pieces of her mother within the story and was deeply personal. A story that she wanted to remix into both a domestic experience and art. The result? 2022's Nanny, which premiered at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival, where it was the first art film to win the Grand Jury Prize, and making Yusu the second black female filmmaker to win the award. So think twice before stepping into that pool, or another body of water quite yet. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Introduction, but it is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. So after it won the grand jury, I think Amazon Prime basically picked it up. Yeah, yes. bought the rights to it. Because this is one that we heard about. I know I heard about it. I want to say it was an IndieWire article. I want to say about like the buzz at Sundance mm-hmm. in 2022. And Master was on that list. Hog for Jesus, Save Your Soul was on that list, and this film was on that list. And oh. All three of them, and Cha Cha Roll Spoon. And also. good luck to you, Leo Grind. Oh, was it mm-hmm. one or two? Okay. Well, those are the ones that I remember, and I'm like, oh, I gotta see those. And I've only seen two of the four so far, but you know, we will I'll work on the rest of them. I'm surprised Cha Cha Roll Spoon didn't get nominated for any Oscars. Yeah. People love that movie. And it was a big one. Apple bought the rights to Cha Cha Roll Smooth. But that's the thing about Sundance. And I was reading an article about this that some movies get a lot of hype at Sundance, but then they just slowly lose momentum on the way to the award circuit. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But this one, I'm glad it did get 
picked up by Amazon Prime because now y'all can watch it. Yeah, very easily. But yeah, so how are y'all? How are you doing? Right? Uh, I'm just really, really glad it's March now. How I you, feel you. How are you doing, Katie? I'm good. I'm good. I I didn't want to talk about this too much because last week we were doing Oscars and that was the focus. But I I went to Savannah. Just spooky Savannah, George. I did not talk like that there. Very few people actually have that. Did you go there. on murder mystery? I went on. I went on a ghost tour where they took me to all the ghosts of the building, including one where they found a dead body in there. Um, but they did. Actually, it's a really cool story where a guy proposed to this um, innkeeper, this lady who owned an inn, and she said, eh, "I'm happy being single," and. Um, he tried to murder her, so she murdered him, and then because uh, self-defense wasn't a um, an excuse for murder back then, or a uh, forgivable offense, I guess, back then, uh, she had her bricklayer son-in-law just make another wall and put up the dead body in the middle of it, and nobody knew about it until the 80s. What in the William Faulkner is it? Right? I mean, that is, I mean, it, I think that really did inspire a lot of stories uh but yeah they did they did kind of film that was cool i went to the most haunted building in savannah ever called um the uh sorrel weed house which there's some very sad stories from there which i won't tell them to hear but i highly recommend the ghost tour for that the adult one because like they tell you all the really sad stuff but also like they're just more chill about it and it's at night so spooky because they have period accurate lighting so the basement is like almost completely pitch black dark and some spooky shit happened there so like i i smelled phantom whiskey in the parlor i thought it was someone drunk on the tour turns out no um because that person stood next to me in the next room did not smell like alcohol at all so that was weird and then uh we someone else heard some uh, spooky spooky noises behind us and yeah it was it was but there was just one i won't go into it here but there was one room that was really made me sad because of what happened in there. And you should go see it, though. If you're in the South, go to Savannah. It's a nice, spooky, spooky town. I'm wearing a t-shirt I got there. I know, very cute. The Grave Face Museum, which was like an oddities museum, which was kind of, it was cool. It was mostly oddities, but then it kind of turned into just like uh, serial killer victim pictures, and mm-hmm. it, I got a little uncomfortable. But if you're into that, it's cool. They had real John Wayne Gacy paintings. If that's what you're into, I don't know. I, my shirt has Mothman on it because Mothman's kind of adorable when the bridge isn't gonna collapse. <laughs> He's just trying to warn you on the bridge. Anyways, so or did I guess it collapsed? It didn't explode. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the bridge explodes. That's what the Mothman does. That's why he's running. This isn't Michael Bay directed the Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's, that's really, like, the most exciting thing that has happened so far this last month. So that was fun. I went over Valentine's Day, kind of. It was fun. I highly recommend Savannah. It's a cool southern city. Although the south was kind of decimated, so, in the Civil War. So, like, it's nice to see a town that is, like, from the 1700s, and there's, like, I love old buildings. Yeah, me too. It's fun. I saved, like, a really old house that was, like, made into, like, an inn. So that was fun. But yeah. But other than that, I'm just watching all the Oscar movies. Yeah. I've watched most of them. Most I've watched all but Avatar and Top Gun for Best Picture, I think. 
Yeah, Avatar's the only one I haven't seen for Best Picture, and After Sun's the only one I haven't seen for Best Actor, so After Sun's gonna be one I try to watch before Sun. I did watch My Year of Dicks. (gasps) Isn't it? I really liked it. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. But, like, I did watch it, and I really liked it. I laughed out loud during that. Yeah, I was was watching on my lunch break, so, like, (laughs) it's not as inappropriate as, they say it's for mature audiences, it's really for the language, it's not really that, there's not, like, dicks hopping around. No. I was a little frozen, like, is everyone going to be a penis in this? Because it's a cartoon, so I was like, maybe everyone's just going to be a penis. It was actually very sweet. Yeah, for those who don't know, it's basically about a 15-year-old who really wants to lose her virginity, and it's like different little vignettes of that summer. Yeah, I've heard, like, yeah, it's really, it it was really good, but yeah, so that's what I've been doing, and then we watched, we finally got to watch Nanny, and I really, really enjoyed Nanny. Um, and I, you know, we wanted to do it in February and we couldn't because of life stuff. And, um, so it's kind of good we're doing it in March though, because it's very female centric. It's very woman, like motherhood centric and it's women's history month, which we do want to recognize women's history month is also intersectional. Everything's interwoven and everybody affects everybody else. So of course don't want to forget that, but it is cool that this movie, um, this director she actually said that she wrote it as a love letter to women who were systematically excluded from the american dream which i was like that is interesting so there's a lot of different kinds of women and people and parents in this movie and i like that and like this a lot of different people and yeah so it's a very interesting take on that yeah and i i'm like um she's so she used to like every interview I read with her, she's just like so quotable. So I had like wrote so many of her different quotes down for interview to interview. Mm-hmm. But she also, um, she was like, you know, there's this British poet in Warshawshire, and he stated, mm-hmm. No one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark. And Ooh. I know, isn't that like I've never heard that before, but that's powerful. No one leaves home good. unless home is the mouth of a shark. And it really does make you feel like more for Aisha, who's the central character of this movie. And so Juju Jusu said, Nanny uh, Nan is my attempt to make sense of the displacement, the nostalgia immigrant women carry as they forge new lives in America. Our mothers sacrificed so much in order for us to essentially create ourselves. And through the real life horror of the sacrifice manifests in the form of living, breathing monsters in Nanny. My goal is for mm-hmm. audience to leave our film with a sense of hopeful, hopefulness. Um, so it was very interesting um, reading that because what I had done, I didn't want to look up spoilers, but I actually read interviews with her to kind of get a sense of what she was trying to go for when she created this movie. Um, and that's a little bit reversed because usually what I do, I use and watch movies and then I read interviews to kind of get the insight with the director. So doing that kind of reversal kind of gave me insight into what she was hoping to achieve with this movie. Yeah. Um, which as we get to the end, I feel a lot of that with this movie, but as we get to the ending, I feel some of that was glazed over quickly. And we'll, I know we'll discuss that further once we kind of get into the movie. I guess. I got. I liked knowing that not only are her parents immigrants, well, she was actually, yeah, no, she, are her parents immigrants who took jobs that were beneath them. Like, her mom, like, you know, is a published author, and she's an artist, 
And but before that, when they moved here, she had to take jobs as domestic workers, like a nanny or a housekeeper or whatnot, which was, I think, as she said, like beneath her. Yeah. You know, but also um, Anna Diop. Diop. Yeah. Diop. Um, her parents are from Senegal, and she actually was born in Senegal, and she moved here when she was a little girl too. So like, she has a very similar story to Aisha. And, uh, which, by the way, people have called her Aisha and Aisha in the movie, and I think Aisha's the right pronunciation, but I think Aisha's okay, too. I think Aisha's a very American version of it. I would see it and go, Aisha! Yeah. But, that's also because there's American actors with the same name, and they say Aisha, but some people call her Aisha. But, so she, like, I honestly, like, I thought, I was like, wow, is she from Senegal? Like, that accent is dead on. And then, she, not that I'm at Senegal, expert but I ha- I grew up with a lot of friends whose parents were from that region of Africa and so like I've grown up with the accent in my head so I was like wow she did a really good job and then it was like oh I heard her talk in an interview and she's very American and I was like oh so it was like an accent yeah and I was like she's like well my mom's from Senegal I was like oh she's like I am basically playing my mother because her mom also oh. did the same thing where she had to take those kinds of jobs, and she said her best friend's mom was from Nigeria, and she also, like, was, like, a nanny for people and stuff, so, like, it was very much, she's, like, it's, like, all the women I grew up looking up to yeah. is in Aisha, and I was, like, that is so cool. So, it's deeply personal for yeah. the director, writer, and lead actress. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. And I did one before going far. I accidentally... Uh, Miss said that Warsham Zire was a male, it's actually a female poet, so, um, so I did want to correct myself there real quick. But I did see where Jusu also talked about that it's very interesting for so many mothers who, who sacrifice to give their children better lives, they sacrifice time with their children to raise other people's children. Yes. And that is something that, um, I think you see more with people who have extra money, extra income. <laughs> yeah. Cause I do, I mean, I do have friends that were raised by nannies, but it's not very common. I don't have many yeah. friends that were raised by I nannies. Have, it's more like former coworkers who, and that's a whole thing where you're taking care of other people's families. Do you even have time to see your own families? And that's kind of what this explores. Cause there's a lot of people who, you know, but we also have Michelle Monaghan's character in this. Yeah. Amy, 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 who, goes back to work and because her husband has like a job that he doesn't get paid consistently which we all have arts degrees here i think well ryan has a higher degree than both me and Brittany, but we both we have like arts degrees so like i'm not saying if we had worked in our field like that's kind of the jobs we would have too but she's the breadwinner for the family basically and so she almost doesn't get to stay home with her kid too yeah because she sacrificed that so it's a lot of different complicated relationships of especially mothers and especially female parents but I think it's pretty universal because there's a lot of people who just like they don't see their kids yeah even nowadays which I'm very lucky I saw my parents growing up yeah like they both worked but they did a thing where like my mom worked part-time and my dad worked during the weekdays so like he would drop us off at school she would pick us up and then we all have dinner together it was very uh leave to be her um, but very, very middle class to be her. But, you know, like, I'm just lucky, but they sacrificed a lot of, like, stuff, like fun vacations and nice, nice places that yeah. they could have gone so they could hang out with us, too. Also, they coached, like, every single 
sports team I was on until I was like 10. Yeah. So that certainly helped. <laughs> we were we were a lower middle class family. So my mom was working third shift at the local state hospital and then coming oh. and getting me and my brother ready for school. Third shift is the worst. Sleeping while we were at school, then picking us up yeah. and still having like dinner and stuff with us. So, and my dad was in the picture, but my dad also um, wasn't working. He was uh, honorably discharged and disabled. So it was like, you know, is my mom was definitely doing a caretaker role, but she was also like kind of being the breadwinner in the situation too. And so there's all these different families, but yeah, I mean, all these different family dynamics, but most of the time you do see, at least I know with my friends, it's like moms work full time and they were moms full time. And it's mm-hmm. because not that you wouldn't want the extra help, you couldn't afford it. So that's like a yeah. luxury unto itself. To- I don't know the luxury of being able to child care that's i can't even afford doggy daycare yeah at this point gizmo has a camera well i I know a few people (laughs) that and i'm not judging i think this is wonderful but i know a few people have monthly maids and i'm just like sitting there dusting the bookshelves at midnight like (laughs) that's one thing like one day i'm like i don't need a maid all the time i just want someone to come like quarterly and just arrange all my shit so it's not so chaotic yeah so, I, someone who likes organizing. I I rather clean a toilet than dust. Like, I hate dusting. I do hate dusting. But Swiffer, Swiffer gloss, though. It's a game changer, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we should talk a little bit about Nikki Atu, uh Jusu. So, she, she started directing shorts, and um, her first short, African Booty Scratcher, was about... <laughs> I know, isn't it incredible? It's, uh, it's about a young girl who's trying to figure out which culture, I guess, in her family to please while picking out a prom dress. But she also has a, a, a short called Suicide by Sunlight, and it centers on a black vampire protected from the sun because of her melanin, <gasps> and this is going to be her next feature-length film. Ooh! Yeah, so it was announced that Untitled Horror Film, she'd be doing an Untitled Film with Monkey Paul Productions, but ended up they just announced that it was a feature-length of Suicide by Sunlight. Yeah, I love that. I can't believe no one's ever thought of that before. Anyways. Now, supposedly, <laughs> uh, Jesus also helped me in a remake of Night of Living Dead. Ooh! Which I think would be really cool. So, I do, too. Yeah. I like her. Her... Uh, like her cinematography style, her visual style oh, is really beautiful. She does a lot of cool, like neon lighting, like pinks and blues, and really lighting people up in an interesting way. And Brittany was mentioning this when we were talking about it earlier, but like the way she contrasts different characters and like their costuming, yeah, and things like that, and to tell the story is very interesting. Aisha's always in these very like vivid yellows and reds, yeah. and then her employers are in like muted beige colors. <laughs> And even, like, in her home, like, it's, like, wallpapered pattern, mm-hmm. and then, like, all there in the in the employer's home is, like, very cold, sterile It's whites. It's like those, like, when you sell your house nowadays, where they're, like, um, just paint everything gray. Yeah. Neutral gray, that's what their life is. Um, but I think it's also a cultural thing, because a lot of, in, and I, again, I'm not an expert, but, like, it seems like a, in a lot of African cultures, especially, like, when you're still, like, using that tradition like it's a lot of bright colors and like those beautiful like outfits with my mom my friend's mom my friend's mom used to wear like the coolest outfits to church yeah and like it was just like you could see her a mile away and she just like glowed because she just looked this beautiful outfit and oh like there's like she goes to a birthday party and everyone's wearing more traditional outfits and I was just like that just seems fun and happy yeah and vibrant and full of life and then she has to go to this new boring people's house to work 
But she does, like, get along with the little girl. Like, that's yeah. the thing. is like, she has a great relationship with her. That almost backfires on her because then the parents get jealous that you're, the kid's more attached to you than them. But then I'm like, well, you're spending all the time with the kid. They're I mean, it's almost like work. the same kid thing. My mom worked at a daycare and, you know, children, you would, I mean, it, I hate to say it, but, you know, if your kids are at a daycare five days a week, eight hours a day with somebody and they fall down, they go and run to their teacher. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. And I think that probably really makes some people feel crappy as parents, but also yeah. you have to do what you have to do. Which so. she also doesn't make the employers 100% the villain either. They're, yeah. They're human beings who are very flawed and they're not trying to be assholes, but they are in some ways, in a yeah. lot of ways. But like, she gives on opportunity for us to see that, like, especially Amy, like, she, like, is, like, jealous, but she's not trying to be jealous, and then, like, at one point, like, she gets a promotion, and she tells Aisha about it, and she thinks Aisha should be happy for her, but then Aisha's like, you haven't paid me for a week's work, <laughs> what the fuck? And she's like, well, I'm not your buddy, I'm your employee, and I need to get paid, because the whole reason Aisha starts working for them is because her little boy is stuck in Senegal. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, but that's the whole reason she starts working with family. She's come over from Senegal. She hasn't been able to bring her son, Lamine, over, but her, he is staying with her cousin and, um, she's trying really hard to get him there. So she's like, I can just power through. And also like, she's a teacher in Senegal. So like, yeah. she's also taking a job much lower than yeah, her Yeah, because she speaks multiple languages. Yeah. So, you know, she's speaking French, too. Yeah, I think, well, I think in Senegal they speak French. There are a lot of countries that the French invaded in Africa, too. So I think it's a much more common to speak French there in certain parts of Africa than it is, well, here in America. <laughs> we don't really, they don't really make us learn a second language. Yeah. It's very sad. <laughs> they really... They really should, because, like, everyone I know who grew up in a different part of the world, they were like, I speak English and my native language and probably a third one, at least a little bit. I'm like, I, I wish I would have that. I yeah. wish I have that opportunity. But they didn't really impress that upon us as children. Maybe now they are. By the way, the cinematography, which is beautiful, is by Rena Yang, who also did an episode of Euphoria. Oh, do we know which episode? I did I did not see which episode. Because okay. I was like, oh, it's going to be, you know, it was going to be a whole rabbit hole. But also, Taylor Swift's All Too Well, the film. Oh, the 10-minute version. Which looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, a Sam Smith music video for Diamonds, and Taylor Swift's Antihero oh. uh, one as well. And then Becoming, which I have heard of, but I have not watched that movie. So, uh, like, a lot of very pretty things. Like, yeah. Anyone who does music videos, I feel like, Usually is like a really pretty cinematographer, um, and the skin is so like so. You know, obviously, there there this film is centered on a black story, and there's black actors, and their skin is just gorgeous. It's really well lit. It pops, and I feel like unfortunately that's not a thing you always see in cinema. That no, they know how to light a lot skin. Of people don't bother to take the time to learn how to light people with different skin tones. I mean, holy hell, what 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 phone are we not seeing that that's a big thing they're trying to sell on? They're like, look, it recognizes different skin tones. That's a commercial that's certainly going around for a phone right now. Yeah, which is so, like, I'm like, why don't people think about that? Like, everybody uses phones. Mm-hmm. Like, well, look at makeup shades. 
Yeah, until Rihanna was like, hey, I'm going to have, like, a thousand shades. Like, I know, like, I mean, I know I had a hard time finding one that wasn't, like, white, white, yeah. but also wasn't orange. And I'm, and then I'm like, and I'm complaining about that, and then I'm like, oh my god, someone who has, like, a chocolate skin tone, like, can't even find something that isn't, like, a highlighter on them. Yeah. Like, that's so much worse. And then you're like, everyone should be able to wear makeup. What the fuck? Yeah, but she does a really good job lighting everybody really well, and and everyone's lit. Everybody's lit really well. Cause, but like I will say, because Michelle Monaghan and however his name now, I know I feel bad. I'm like I've gotten because he's on the new show. More like. Yeah, he's on the Gilded Age. Mm. He's like the the wealthy railroad baron uh, guy, and I was like, I know that face. And then I looked up, I was like, Oh, that's why I know him. Like, they're lit very well, too, and, like, they're very, <laughs> I, they're not hipsters, they're, I would think, like, back, way back in the 80s, we would have called them yuppies. Yeah. So, I don't know if we still call people yuppies, I don't think so, but, like, like, people that are, like, affluent. Yeah. But young, and trying to be hip, but then, like, they're also very corporate. Yeah, exactly. And they pretend to reject corporate stuff. And affluent's like, the first word I thought of too. But then I'm like, are they are they really wealthy? Like, are they forgetting to pay, or do they not really have the money they pretend to have? I think it's both. Because yeah. that's another whole struggle where it's like she's getting paid on the regular, and then slowly it turns into. So, do we want to? I did write a little bit of a pitch. Yeah, a little bit of a rundown. And yeah, and I have a synopsis, but okay. I'm still kind of getting used to our rundown a little bit, so I feel bad. I'm like, whoops! Synopsis for Nanny. Young mother and undocumented immigrant Aisha is hired as a nanny for a family in New York's Upper East Side. While saving money to bring her young son to the States, she is plagued by visions and waking dreams of water, as well as spirits from her home country who may or may not be giving her warnings. That's really similar to what I have. I just also put that Perjusu Nanny is a character study with supernatural elements. Which I thought was cool. That was a quote from her. Yeah. So, which I would agree with that. But I will say the marketing definitely made it sound like it was horror horror. It was a little of an ease by you situation. Yeah. Where I was like, ooh, it's going to be horror. And then it was more like, but it was very supernatural because there's like basically sirens. They're mommy Watson. Mommy Watson. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's also um and a Nazi. Nazi the Spider. Which yeah. did you read that book as a little girl? I did. Okay, as soon as too. I saw that book, I was like, Hey, I know that book. And I was like, I have that book. I don't know if I had it or if I had it at school, but I definitely had read a Nazi the Spider. If you're an American kid, uh the book that you're probably most uh familiar with, even though this is a Nazi the Spider is a character in Ghana. I oh, didn't say what I wrote down, but it's a very specific culture in Ghana. And um, there's multiple stories about a Nazi the Spider, but the book that most American people are familiar with would be Anansi the Spider, A Tale from the Ashanti by Gerald McDermott, which was published in 1972. And to quote you girl, he's a white man. No! I mean, sorry. A white man? No. Because I was like, oh, like, is this, like, it called, like, who, who is this man that wrote this book of this African tale? I was like, oh, he's white. Yeah. He's very white. It was 1972. Of course, I mean. I mean, so now I'm like, what did he lie about? 
I mean, he's probably a very nice man. I'm just curious. Like, now I want to go research it more. Yeah. And be like, was he accurate? Or was it one of these, like, we think this is what the story is? But then, like, if you went to God, I'd be like, girl, that's not a witness at all. And yeah. Be like, oh, oopsies. I did love, and I don't know if we're, like, gonna, like, jump around and talk about the movie more and some of our thoughts and feelings, but we do. So, I felt like one of the first, like, true horror moments, I didn't think there was a lot of, there was definitely suspense, and there was definitely, like, a feeling of anxiety, like, you're like, what's gonna happen? But I didn't really feel like it was horror. But when we see Mommy Wata, that did feel like that a was little, creepy. It was very, very creepy. And she was inspired by Del Toro for that. Like in how like mm-hmm. he kind of creates monsters. So Mommy Walter is like a water spirit. And she typically they can be men, but they're more than mostly just women. they're mostly women. And, and they're really- kind of seductresses. But they talk about that if you get pulled into Mommy Walter's world and she lets you go, you come forward like a fresh insight about yeah. things and I thought that was really cool because if I hadn't read that I may have missed out on what that part of the movie yeah. later well, she was. also um so it kind of means mother water would be like the equivalent of mm-hmm. that in English so it's like a maternal figure they're they seem more like sirens mm-hmm. like she seems because there's a there's a singing kind of thing going on um, with everybody. I feel like there's something I just watched that had sirens. Oh, Black Panther. Oh, Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever has, like, sirens in it. They're not sirens. It's underwater people. Yeah, if y'all have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, there's so many sirens in movies this year. Um, but there's a very big connection to fertility and healing. But also, like, people blame Mommy Wata for... Uh, be infertile too. Like, yeah. basically, she's cursed you. Like, so. And there actually are, like, people, as the, the picture in Wikipedia was, like, from 2005. Like, there are priests and priestesses that still practice that worship of it. I don't think it's as widespread as it used to be, but, like, they still, like, honor that cultural stuff, which I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, which I know we touched on Aisha's over here, and so I don't remember specifically in the movie where they mentioned that she's undocumented, but that's something that, that's what like okay, yeah, it's in all of like the IMDb's mm-hmm. and Wikipedia's, but like she has an ID, yeah, that she shows to Malik, another character, the doorman, which we'll go through the actors in a second, but I too was like, is she undocumented? Yeah, because I don't remember that actually being verbally said in the movie. Or did somebody on IMDb just assume she was undocumented? Yeah. Because I'm like, she's bringing her son over by plane. Like, is she just like, she? maybe she got a work visa? Yeah. And she hasn't, I don't know if she's undocumented. She doesn't seem to, like, be sneaking around. There's no subplot of her, like, trying to dodge, you know, the... People. And ice? Is it ice? I was like, what the fuck? It's a stupid name. And then even Amy, like, I feel like Amy has a more type A personality. Surely, like, Amy. She probably would have checked her. Yeah. So. That's what I like. Like, a lot of. So, forgive us. Because, like, I too was like, I was like, is she undocumented? Like, she has an ID. I mean, I know people probably can have IDs, but you'd have to go. If you have a government issued ID, you'd have to go to the government. Therefore, you've been documented in some way or another. So I feel like maybe IMDb had that wrong, but please tell us if we have it wrong, because I missed that, clearly. But I'm glad you missed it, too, because I was like, I don't think she's undocumented. I think she just 
could only afford to come over by herself at first, and she's just trying to bring her son over too. Because yeah. to bring someone over, they would have to have like you know you'd have to have a passport and you'd have to like come over and like tell them why you're here visiting. Could be that her maybe her visa expired. Mm-hmm. That happens sometimes. People come for a visit and then they're like. For some reason or other, their visa expires and they don't renew it. And then they're technically undocumented, but it's not like they didn't come over and people don't know them. So, I don't know. But, regardless, she's here by herself trying to bring her son over. And I guess, do we want to go through the cast a little bit? Yeah, we can a little bit. So, the main character is Aisha. Or Aisha. People say both names. Actually, honestly, in interviews, the cast said both ways, too. But I think it's Aisha because of... She says Aisha, and her aunt calls her Aisha. Aisha. So, and Rose calls her Aisha, but then I think Adam calls her Aisha. So I'm like, oh, what? It, but it's a really pretty name. I like that name. Um, so she's a Senegalese immigrant working as a nanny for an I said affluent family in New York to raise money to bring up her son. She was in the Titans TV series playing uh, Corey Anders slash Starfire. I think t- Titans is based on Teen Titans, but yeah, right? Okay. So I haven't watched it yet, but I was like, I'm vaguely familiar with those characters. Um, she's also on 24 Legacy and a short-lived TV series called The Messengers. And we also already said that she's Senegalese-American, so she, and her mother uh, was a domestic worker and an immigrant, too. And, like, her mom brought people, like, brought her family over later. So she has had this kind of... Uh, life as well so I was like that's a really great uh, thing to draw from as an actor um, also she learned English from watching Three's Company Aww, that's uh, so her IMDb material was, I was like that's pretty awesome and she also works for the American Institute for the Prevention of Blindness and she works to maintain libraries in Kenya for blind children that's pretty amazing that's pretty fucking cool. She's not even a trained actor, which I was like, but yeah, she's just good. Some people she's are just good. Yeah. And she does a really good job, and her accent is really, in my opinion, accurate. And again, I have a very limited exposure to that, but I was fooled. So I was like, I was very shocked when she talked in her and I was like, oh my god, that's not her voice. We also have, and I'll be honest, so this was the only member of the cast that actually, one of the only two members of the cast I recognized, and so like, so Michelle Monaghan as Amy. Yes. And so she had roles in films such as Gone Baby Gone, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Pixels, Source Coles. <laughs> Pixels. Pixels. Uh, but I mainly know her from two different roles. So Maggie Hart in the first season of True Detective. Yes. So she's Woody Harrelson's wife. And I... sleeps with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, God. Da, da, da. So, no lie. Me and Taylor, she says a line in the first Detective of True Seats. Uh, the first True season... first season. Thank you. She says a line and it's, um... I haven't been I haven't been fucked like that since before the girls were born. And I yeah. always every time I heard I've seen this season like thirty times, I'm like every time she sees it, because it just like goes for your heart. Um but she was also Hannah in the movie Made of Honor, which is an awful romantic comedy. Oh but the one with McDreamy. Mc, Mr. Yeah, Dr. McDreamy and yeah. Patrick Dempsey? Dempsey. Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, poor thing was in Pixels. That's terrible. And apparently Mission Impossible 3. I don't watch Tom Cruise movies, so I don't know. Um, and then we also have Cinca, I think. Cinqua Walls as Malik. I'm, it's S-I-N-Q-U-A. 
Um, Malik is the doorman of the building where Amy lives and Aisha works. And he's a single father who walks his mom to mental illness, which is a complications due to mental illness, and has a strong relationship with the grandmother who raised him. He becomes Aisha's love interest, which is pretty, pretty dope. It was very, it's very sweet, nice love story. Like, yeah. you kind of don't know what to expect with him. And then it turns out, like, he's just a nice guy. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's refreshing. Because you're like, oh, because all this other shit's happening. And I was like, oh, no. But he's not like an overly, like, it's not like a white knight situation where he's like, carrying her off like he's just a nice guy yeah. um speaking of white knight he played lancelot i think in once upon a time oh. which i didn't get that far in uh once upon a time i watched like the first like as soon as they time hopped a couple of years i was like Ugh, no i can't do this shit i tried to do desperate housewives and i fell off as well um but he was also in friday night lights when he was younger american soul a new horror movie i think it's i think it's a horror comedy i haven't watched it yet but from what the pictures look like, I think it must be a comedy called The Blackening. Oh, yes. Samantha submitted a trailer to that. Oh, good. Has it come out yet? I don't think it's come out yet. Oh, okay. It's, 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 it's a horror. Like, like, how did I miss this? Yeah, he just got um, to see the trailer for it. And he was on Team with Empower, mm-hmm. the TV show, so he's done a lot of stuff. And then we already said Morgan Spector, who's Adam, who's Amy's husband. And it seems like he's a photojournalist. Yeah, based on the pictures in his office. Yeah, yeah. he, like, goes to, like, war-torn countries and takes pictures of things on fire, which is very depressing, but um, he's never home. He's often gone for long periods of time, and he doesn't seem to be as in the marriage as Amy is. Like, Amy throws him a surprise party, and he's like, let me just put my fucking shit down. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. He doesn't know people are there, but I'm still like, that is no way to greet your spouse after being gone for several weeks, or maybe longer. I don't even know. But he kind of relies on Amy for constant cash and also, like, to keep track of Aisha's pay. But she has a full-time job that she goes to every single day. He's in and out. So I'm like, wouldn't it be better if you were the person to, you know, be around? It's your job. You don't have to be at your job every day. Anyways. Um, But he's on The Gilded Age right now, which is on HBO Max. Homeland, the Mist series, not movie series, and he's got a few episodes of Boardwalk Empire, so that's a pretty impressive cast. You also think that Leslie Uggams? Yes, so Leslie Uggams as Kathleen, who's Malik's grandma, who basically raised him. Mm-hmm. So she played Blind Al in Deadpool and Deadpool 2, <laughs> but I never will forget, I saw Roots when I was like a kid, and the only She's real nice. thing I remember from that movie is like Kizzy, they named her Kizzy because it means to stay put, and like when she's taken away, her mom's like, we named her Kizzy, Kizzy means stay put, so... Yeah, and that's, like, the main, it's, like, it's really funny, because watching that as an eight-year-old, that's, like, the main scene I've taken in my mind all these years later. I need to rewatch it, but... I do, too. I need to watch. I've seen bits. It's been a long time. I've seen bits and pieces, but it's also one of those things. I'm like, well, I have to emotionally prepare for this. Yeah. Um, But she's also on the Empire series as well. Oh, yeah. But she's done. She's been working in the business world. Forever. Oh, yeah. I was immediately like, oh, I know that name. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, yeah, she's, like, she's an artist, the character, and a, kind of a storyteller, and, like, she mostly makes art of, like, African myths and lore, which is why Aisha and her start talking about Mami Waza and stuff like that. Um, and she tells Aisha that, like, before her daughter passed away, 
she saw visions of Mommy Wanda too, so she kind of like is like they were warning me. So that's an interesting thing throughout the movie. And then there's I don't know how to pronounce this name because I've never seen it before. Olamide Candy Johnson as Mariatu, um, who's Aisha's cousin who's back in Senegal taking care of Lamine. Lamine? Lamine, I think. Yeah. Her son. Um, but her mother's also very sick, and so she's got a lot of stuff going on. This is her first feature, but she was also on an episode of The Blacklist. Yes. And then we have the two ch child actors, Rose Decker as Rose. I was like, all right. Um, and she was in Mayor of Easttown. I was like, that little girl was familiar. It's because she was in Mayor of Easttown, and I watched that. It's a really good mini series that Kate Winslet was in. And Ethan, e Evan and Peters. Peters, yeah, Evan and Peters they both won, won an Emmy. They both yeah. won Emmys for it, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's really great. Um, Evil and The Blacklist as well. So I guess everyone was on The Blacklist. And then Jaleel Kamara was Lamine, who's Aisha's young son, who's back in Senegal. And he's been in Harlem Manifest and Do Your Best. I haven't watched Manifest yet, but my parents love that show. And they're like, you have to watch Manifest. And if you're listening, sorry, I still haven't watched it. I have a book I watched the movie with my But that's all the actors I wrote down. Because that's, it was, it's a good fit, but it's also like, you don't, you see a lot of people in passing. Like, there's the girl that is helping her collect money Nikki. so she can buy oh, yeah. um, a ticket for her son. And then she's got, like, a friend who's a hairdresser Nikki. that she's talking. Is it the same? No, the oh. two different ladies, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, I remember Nikki, but I know you're talking about the lady that she gives the money, and yeah, yeah. I don't remember what her name was. No, but like, there's a lot of like, and then she like meets other nannies in the park and stuff. But like, it's a, I liked the cast. It was like very interesting, and it's in New York City, but they did a really good job of hiding the fact that they filmed this during the pandemic. Yeah. Because she didn't want it to be stuck in that time frame. She didn't want it to be like reminding people of the pandemic. So she was like, we were just very safe. And she, I think be, it was an indie film, so it was a lot of weird scheduling. But they also rotated crews every three days to limit exposure, I guess. Yeah. So I was like, oh my god, that was a lot. So it was a lot of like fancy footwork just to make sure like it didn't like... I, I will say there's a couple movies that I've seen recently where... I feel like there was one that I had to watch for the Oscars or like I watched right before I started watching Oscar movies and everyone's like, oh, masks. And I was just like, you know what? I'm okay with not being reminded of that for the next like 10 years. I appreciate her not putting her movie as like a statement about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh. I, you know, pandemic's still going on too, but you know, it was nice to like check out for a second and be like, oh, this is just, this could be any time in New York City. Um, I think one thing that stuck out to me, I don't know about you, was all the water imagery. Oh, yeah. That was really cool. Um, so, spoilers. I guess we'll have to say spoilers. Yeah. Talk about anything further. So yeah. Watch this movie. So, I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't know what happened was going to happen. But once it happened, I was like, oh. And that's what's so interesting. So this is going to be a major spoiler. Major spoiler. Before, so. before we actually say what happened. So I remember when we watched The Orphanage, and you were highly pissed. I was highly pissed. And, but you liked this movie. And I well, I like I liked The Orphanage. I just, I didn't like the way they handled the end of The Orphanage. 
It just made me very sad. But this one has a nice little happy ending. And see, I feel like the happy ending is glazed over so quickly. It's like a 15 second thing. Yeah. And and I'm not, I understand it's bittersweet. I yeah. do I do understand that. I just wish we lived a little bit more in that bittersweet. Like even if it was five minutes versus 15 seconds. Hmm. And I guess, would you like to go ahead and say kind yeah. of what happened? So we see, so Aisha starts working for um, Rose's family um, because she speaks French. She's like basically teaching Rose French. And Rose apparently doesn't like to eat, which there's a lot of kids who have that kind Very of, picky, like, yeah. that, or they, there's some kids that just will not eat and they like have to go through like food therapy and stuff. It's like, why do you think chicken fingers is available at every restaurant? Right. Yeah. Well, but like, I've had like people who like their grandchildren had to go to like eating therapy because like they just didn't have a want to eat oh wow and but from a very young age and they had to like so this is one of those kids who's like quote unquote a picky eater but also maybe she's just having found food she likes she likes the Senegalese food that uh Aisha makes but then like her parents um are like the definition of mayonnaise is too spicy for me apparently because, or at least her mom is because she's like that's too spicy it's like oh my god there's salt and pepper um, they don't hammer that home too far, but so she's taking care of Rose. Her son is stuck in Senegal, mm-hmm. and she keeps seeing visions of water, like the shower keeps being turned on at Rose's house, and then like every time she gets out of the shower, she just kind of feels like something's going on. She has nightmares of her drowning. Yeah, and she also has the waking vision of her son at the park. Yeah, and, and she just keeps seeing her son like where there, there's like a there's a like a water, like a, like a hose, like or a spray, like a sprinkler. Going. Sprinkler. I was yeah. like, it's not a fountain. This is yeah. Fluid. Like, and she sees like her son, like in the sprinkler, and she's like, "That's weird." And the last time she talks to him before he comes over is he's at the beach with her cousin, um, and so she keeps seeing, and then she starts seeing him on the water, water. Yeah, and. Uh, she goes to the pool with Rose and almost drowns herself, and someone pulls her out. And I do like the building of like tension here. So she she's so she's getting depressed and she's getting kind of desperate, and especially because they're not paying her. They're not and, paying her, and they're making her work overnight, and she's yeah. not getting any fussy. So she keeps calling her cousin, and her cousin has a joke email that's like, "Hi, it's me. Actually, I'm just kidding. Leave me a message." Yeah. And so the first time you're just like. But then it keeps happening, and she's like, why aren't you calling me back? I want to hear my son's voice. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. And we've, I think we've all had desperation when, like, we're separated from someone. Like, we've trusted someone to caretake a child, or I know, I don't have children myself. But, like, well, well, you're, pet, your baby, your pet is your baby. I understand. Yeah, Gizmo's my baby. So, like, I remember one time, like, security camera wasn't working. Yeah, and I called my mom in a panic. I had just gotten him. I was not used to living with him. I was like, I can't see him. But, like, my camera went off, and I was like, I forgot to turn my camera on that morning. And I was like, oh, my God, someone's, like, burning my house and stalling my baby. He was fine. But that's, like, your brain. It makes you think the worst situation. And then, like, now I'm like, it's fine. He's fine. He's fine. But, like, that's the kind of panic she starts having. But it's extended because it's like weeks of that going on also it's a child it's her child and she does tell the story of how she had him which is very sad it sounds like a grown adult married man took advantage of her when she was a 
teenager, yeah, high schooler, and was like paying her all this money and stuff so he could have an affair with her. And then as soon as she decided to keep this baby, because apparently she had already been, it sounds like she was coerced into having an abortion at yeah. some point. Um, but she says, like, you know, I decided to keep him and he's my greatest accomplishment. And he left her. And so that's a big reason why she came. Yeah. And the water's connected to even then because she talks about going to the ocean. Yeah, she went to the ocean the day she found out she was pregnant and decided to keep him Mm -hmm. because, like, the moon was full. And so there's, like, a lot of water energy. Well, so she finally gets enough money after working her ass off and having to, like, fight for it um, to get him to come home. And she and Malik are at the airport. And he doesn't show up. And they're like, what the hell's going on? And then she calls her cousin and she hears the phone ringing. And the cousin's like, I didn't know how to tell you, but he disappeared in the ocean. Like, basically, he drowned in the ocean and couldn't find him. Yeah. Which is, like, the scariest fucking thing ever. And I don't know what the beaches are like in Senegal. So maybe it's really bad undercurrent. But, like... And I also got really six. I really, really got mad at this point too in the movie. And Ooh. I know we we talk Ooh. about so the the thing about film is that you know you how you view a movie can affect what the headspace you're in. There's uh, there's a lot yes. of different factors that can affect how you feel yes. watching a movie. And I immediately got so angry because literally the scene before her cousin finally calls her and says, "You know, you never ask me how I'm doing." And yeah. she knew at this point her son was dead. Yep. And she said, you, and so it's, and then she also, when she confronts her at the airport, she goes, you took too long to get us the money. And so this is like, oh yeah, like it's complete deflection. I'm like, I don't know if it's like the cousin's just a piece of shit or if, if it's a different culture. Cause I was a pro no, at that point. I think she felt guilty but couldn't deal with the guilt so she was deflecting and trying to make herself feel better subconsciously because I know people who do this shit they'll like fuck you over and be like well you know but you you took too long to do this or if you had just done this and I would have done that I'm like no you did a shitty thing just take responsibility for your actions Mm -hmm. and I mean like I feel bad for the cousin because it does sound like it wasn't her fault, like it was just yeah. an unfortunate accident. But you don't just like tell someone, you don't gaslight someone for yes, a month. Exactly. And pretend their dead child is still alive. Like don't answer their phone calls for three weeks. I was afraid that it was gonna be a twist that she never had a son or that he had died and she knew that and that's why she came to America. And like I thought I was afraid it was gonna be a twist where like her son's been dead the whole time and like and she had like gone insane because they, they have this whole thing with like Malik's grandmother, Kathleen, is telling her about how she lost her daughter to mental illness, how she had, I think, bipolar disorder. Yeah, or schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. I think it was schizophrenia. But, like, they didn't know what to do with it, with schizophrenia back then. And, like, she called the police to have her institutionalized, but they tr- they just, like, treated her like shit and, like, abused her. And then she felt responsible for it, even not her fault. Yeah. But, like, you know, she was talking about how Mommy Watu, Wata had been warning her about that before, and she didn't take it seriously. But, like, I thought there was going to be, like, a twist where it's like, oh, no, she's had schizophrenia the whole time. I was like, I was so glad it didn't go there. Yeah. It was just, like, a part of it, and that's to explain Mommy Wata and the loss of the child and, like, that. And it was kind of foreshadowing to losing a child yeah. as well. 
it was a way better because if this was a not as well made movie, they would have done some cheap thing. It's like he's never there the whole time. So and I appreciate that. I understand. Like she took a risk. She took a risk with this film, with deciding that you know this is the story, and her son is dead. But for me, as an anxious person, it's just like every single anxiety you could have possibly about a situation is driven home. Yes. That her son is gone, and this whole time she was worried and concerned, and all those fears were validated. Yeah. Because her son is dead. And then, of course, that leads to her. Basically, she's like, I'm going to go walk, but she actually jumps into the Hudson River at the end, and Mama Wata is there, and takes her under, and but then she sees her son... And she goes to the surface, and Malik's gotten her out. And then, this was, okay, the thing I do agree with you at the end, is all of a sudden, he's like, oh, be careful with her, she's pregnant. I was like, we could have, like, had her, like, take a pregnancy test or something between finding out Lamina died, and, like, in this moment, because it would have made more sense, but it was just kind of like, oh, why does he know she's pregnant, and we haven't found out? It seemed kind of weird. I was like, I feel like, does she know that she's pregnant? Because it seems like he And see, it would be more, it would make more, because I think Kathleen says it. And I almost wonder, now we don't know this, there's no contextual evidence in the film, but I wonder if Kathleen felt she was pregnant. And maybe, maybe even, I, Asha didn't know she was pregnant. Because that's the only other thing, because obviously her children, her child, her son was her wife. So yeah. it also doesn't make sense to me why she was so willingly trying to commit suicide if she knew she was pregnant. Right. That's why I was like, why would she jump? Because, like, I mean, yeah. Like, I was like, did she know when she was pregnant? Was she, or was she in such a depression that she didn't? I don't know. It seemed really weird. That part was a little rushed. Well, then that's time. what I didn't like. So they pull her out of water, and Kathleen goes, be careful, she's pregnant. And then the next thing you know, there's a little, it's like a 10-second, like, montage of, there's her pregnant belly, and then there's the baby, and then there's a family, and it just feels like it's completely glazed over. A little bit. And Taylor, yeah. Taylor said, Taylor is like, oh, so she's happy with her replacement child. And I was like, you know what? No, no, I know that's not what she was going for. And because he's a rainbow baby. Because well, I also understand, like I've been reading so many articles on grief that it's not like your second child could ever replace your first child. Absolutely not. But I do understand, like, someone, like, from Taylor's point of view, is so, it's so rushed. You don't get to live in the whole, like, her really seeing her prepare for this baby. It didn't have to be, like, a 30-minute thing. It could have been a five-minute thing of, I wish I got, I wish you could have met your brother. Or I wish you, you know, yeah. you remind me of your brother. Or I guess she something. was just trying to give her something to live for because being a mother was so important to her. It does end on that hopeful note. And I get she she mentioned that she wants there to be like this sense of hopefulness in her movie and you it's hopeful but it just happens so fast. You're living in that grief and it's just suddenly and she, she's whole again and yeah. I don't well, but she's also, there's also the picture of her after she's had the baby in the bathtub by herself. So yeah, like she's so breathing. Yeah. So I think that's what, because there's another scene with Michelle Monaghan, Amy, where she's really depressed. And, like, Aisha, like, walks in on her accidentally where she's just in the, in the shower. shower sitting down. And I just had a conversation with her, like, sitting down in the shower is never a good idea. Like, it's never a good sign. So, like, I do think... I think at least with that, she's like, she hasn't forgotten him. Yeah. But maybe they should have had something where, like, maybe the grandmother had painted a picture of, of him and, like, she was showing the new baby, like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, like, it's, I, I don't 
hate the ending. I just wish that it was kind of laid out differently. Yeah, laid out a little yeah. bit differently. Definitely better done than the end of Game of Thrones, though. I mean, well, anything. Anything. <laughs> I mean. Wasn't as rushed as that. I also, like, I don't know if this was necessary. I really, by the way, the only con I really have about this movie, other than that, is maybe Rose did a fine job most of the time. There was a couple scenes where she said her lines that I was like, Man, that little girl was so tired, wasn't she, the day I she I think she that. really was, like, six or seven when she She is, it. yeah. She's, she's like, she's, a yeah. small child. She, so, like, but most of the time she was lovely, but there was one, but she's also a child, so, like, I'm not going to, like, dismiss the movie for having, she was not a distracting child actor. Also, I will say this, and we come up, and it's not really a con-con, from, it's just so, so horror, when we talk about horror movies, there's so many different genres of horror. That being said, this was not scary. There was not one scene in this movie that made me remotely jump or anything like that. The scene with the knife in the bathtub. That was very tense. That yeah. actually didn't make me. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. She stabbed Rose and then she didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but the, the one thing that kind of. I don't, know, I don't know if they needed to do this, but like Adam, the dad kisses her at some point and then she like bites his lip and good for you girl yeah um but then he's like oh i guess i deserve that and then she's like don't tell amy she's by the book she might like fire you or something and i was like i don't know if we needed that yeah i don't know like i think we got that their marriage was kind of on the rocks yeah because he already uh he's already like flirting a little bit with the girl he runs into at the restaurant yeah. one scene so which maybe yeah it was weird but maybe it was just to make Amy's character a little even more jealous. Or maybe more sympathetic, yeah. too. Because like, I felt bad for her, because, like, she wasn't a bad person. She treated Aisha in a lot of ways very nicely. But also, we were, we were watching it. <laughs> the boy came up and was like, does she want to fuck Aisha when she gave her that dress? Like, girl wants some Aisha. <laughs> because, like, she just was, like, very, like enamored with her and like when she gets her promotion she tells Aisha it wasn't so much a friend it's like almost like your spouse and I was like it was almost like you know like children go through like parentification where like your spouse is so absent that you start treating one of your children not romantically but maturity level like another parent yeah like you give them more responsibilities than they shouldn't have and that they're really mentally capable of handling or, like, it's, like, when parents complain to their children about their spouse and then, like, this child is, like, the mediator. It's almost like she wanted Aisha to be the spouse, be the emotional support part of her relationship that she was missing from her husband. And I was, like, I felt so sad for her. I was, like, that is so sad. And, see, I feel like she's so lonely. Like, there's, yeah. like, she wants companionship. And so you see her trying to bond with Aisha multiple And Rose. Times. And then yeah. Rose doesn't want to bother her because she's never around. But then she's also, like... I work in this corporate job where I have to be with all these men and you have to go out for drinks afterwards. And that's why like I get home so late, but then they've only promoted me. They haven't even given me a fucking raise, which I agree with that because, you know, I don't have like 100% proof that the wage gap is real on my personal thing, but I do know that there are definitely men that I've worked with that do less than I have that almost certainly made more money than I have made and I'm like is it because I'm a woman 
Is it because, like, I might leave because I might have a kid? Like, women are devalued in the workplace. So I like that she brought that in a little bit. It wasn't beating you over the head with it. Yeah. But it was just, like, it was, like, she's struggling because she wants to be a full-time mom, but she can't afford to be one because her husband has his dream job where he doesn't work all the time because he wants to be a photojournalist. And it's important work, but also that takes a toll on your family. And then he's, like, screwing around on her while she's yeah. working all the time. And then poor Rose is just like, I just want someone to read me a fucking story. And there's a t- I do like the part where Rose runs away in the park. Yeah. And this other lady yells at her, and she's like, you're going to get reported, Karen, fucker. But it was almost like Aisha did a better job of taking care of someone else's child than her cousin did of taking care of her son. Yeah. Because, like, Aisha, like, didn't let her get too far, got her, and it was almost like, is that when it happened? Like, was it the same thing? Or do you think, do you think he drowned when she almost drowned in that pool? That's a great question. I think he actually may be closer to the park because that's where she sees the first waking vision of him. Is that the park? And Rose is like, Lenin's mad. He's jealous. Yeah. You're like, ooh, spooky. And I think that's like... But you know he's dead at that point, so you're like, oh, what? That's weird. Yeah, I think that's just what, like, really, really bothers me is that, you know, you... It almost, like, you feel like she's... It's a horrible accident, but it's almost like, is she being punished because she did... She did spend time with someone else's child. She should have been... Oh, I hope not. It's not. It's not. Okay, it's not that way, right? That's reality. It's like no accidents happen, but those are the type of things you think about when you have, yeah, when you have these. And why she feels probably so guilty at the end that she's still thinking about killing herself, whether she knows she's pregnant with her child or not. Yeah, I really wish I would know she knew she was pregnant. Yeah, so like she didn't know. I was like, why does she not know? Yeah, like someone else on her like menstruation app or period app. And it's like, oh, well, I should have been late for, like, three months. Yeah. It's just, like, so heartbreaking. Sorry, that part's not funny, but that part is. I'm just like, why does everyone know she's pregnant except for her? But the whole thing is just heartbreaking and sad. And I think she does a really good job of portraying that. Yeah. Um, And, yeah. It, but I think that, I think if it is attack on anything, I, I think it at least lifts my spirit. Unlike the orphanage, because I was like, what is she just? dead with her kid and her husband by himself yeah i just felt sad for the husband i was like he wasn't an asshole husband like i didn't like i just didn't like that she had to die because she could have like gone on and like helped other children she's like no i'm gonna help ghost children yeah i was like all right but she's also like she's so in her grief too that i mean like she literally and we're talking about the orphanage now not not, uh nanny but she just had found Tomas's body. So it's like she's not really it's in the midst of the grief and she just wants to be reunited with her baby so bad. And you know, and I'm not saying that's logical yeah. thinking, but it's also she's she's with the other children too. And I think but I think the orphanage is very hauntingly beautiful. This movie is definitely very beautiful and I'm very excited to see what else Jusu does. And I want to see her shorts. I just like I said, it was such a gut punch, and then I don't think I had no. I don't think I had time to recover from the gut punch before yeah. it's like three minutes later, and it's over. Here's the credits. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was quite a gut punch. I was like, oh no, this whole time she's been waiting. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. But it's a really good movie. I really liked it. Did you have a like an out of ten rating? What did you rate it out of ten? So I did give it a seven point five. 
Okay, I gave it an eight. You gave it an eight. I really liked it. I wouldn't say it's it's not spooky scary, but it is supernatural, and there's there I got spooked a couple times, but it's more atmospheric horror. It's not less less gotcha, you know. Yeah, but I really liked it, and I think. I want to see more from this director as well. Yeah. So, and I'm really glad that Monkey Paul is producing her next movie because uh, good shit comes out of there. Blah. Yeah, I'm like, if Jordan Hill is producing or involved yeah. in any way, but I think Blumhouse did. Didn't Blumhouse? Yeah, Blumhouse. Space? Like, I think it was involved in production. Blumhouse. It's such a, a crapshoot because, like, Blumhouse will do shitty movies like Truth or Dare, but then they'll be like, well, here's Oscar winning Get Out yeah. that Blumhouse produced. And you're like, oh, hell, what about fun movies like Happy Death Day? Yeah, like, I just never, like, I think so. Jason Blum is like, can you keep a low budget? Tight, I will give you a shot. <laughs> and, like, and so sometimes it's a great, wonderful director, like this director, or like Jordan Peele, and sometimes it's like, or honestly, I know the visit was shit, but I do love the visit. It's like it's a good laugh at it. Hey, and, that's and the middle ground Shyamalan film. Yeah, it's like, not the best or the worst. Yeah, I find it funny when the diaper goes on the face. That's the best part. But yeah, but I really liked it. Did you have a Grindhouse Girl rating for it? I did. So I rated it W for Water Waves and Waking Visions. Oh, that's good. I had rated M for Motherhood, Mystery, and Mommy Wata. And then I had rated S for Sirens, Spiders, and Sinister Songs. Hmm. I think I don't like the S. There was a really good visual of a Nazi like climbing up in a shadow behind mm-hmm. her head. That was really good. That was really cool. I do love the cinematography. I love the way this movie looked. And the acting was really, really good. Yes. So, I mean, they... With Anna, they got a very, very strong-weighted actress. And I think, you know, a lot of the movie's success weighed on her and her performance. She was fantastic. But everybody, all the, like, main cast was really good. They got people who have good credits, but, like, they're still grounded as actors. Like, I think Michelle Monaghan has been in really big things. But, like, the best thing, like, she still does, like, real acting. Like, True Detective is, like, a hard thing. Yeah acting wise like it's it's a very it's an actor's dream kind of show and like Gilded I guess Gilded Age is a little little HBO but still like Morgan Spector also seems to be like that too and so does um Anna uh yeah so I think that she picked a really good cast and Leslie Uggams will do it from Deadpool but then she was like in Roots and all this really cool stuff when she was younger yeah so like she did a really good job casting and yeah and I love the visuals I think it's worth a watch absolutely I mean it's it's a young female filmmaker it's a young black filmmaker I mean she she's probably gonna make a name for herself I mean hell I mean the Grand Jury Prize is pretty pretty cool like already the, the first the first black woman to win that award was just in, I think, 2020, it said. Wow. It was from a movie I had not heard of, so now I have to go look up that movie. So. But I just looked it up because I was like, I was like, who was it? So next time, we're doing a movie that we've talked about doing, as long as everyone's down for it, because it's going to be a rough one. I mean, I you know, that's one of those movies that there is a central scene in that movie I've seen like multiple times on multiple lists at this point. So yeah. I'm like, I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 very, very excited about this movie. So 
Uh, we are going to be covering Possession from 1983. Uh, 1983 from starring Isabel and jo- uh, Johnny and Sam Neill and directed by... Ooh, oh, yeah, I have a really hard time saying his, his name. On- Andres Zolowski. And basically, it's like a very infamous film. And um, it's about the dissolution of a marriage. But basically, because man comes home from he's like a spy, because they're in Berlin, and the Berlin Wall's up. And so there's a whole thing about their marriage falling apart and the Berlin Wall is symbolic, very much like the Suspiria remake, but this okay. movie did it before. But basically, like, he comes back and his wife is acting totally different and she wants a divorce, but then it seems like something supernatural might be happening too. Like she might be possessed. And what is it really a possession? Or does he just not want to face the fact that his wife has changed and she doesn't want to be married to him anymore? And it has never been streaming the entire time we have had this podcast. It's now streaming on Shutter. So, and it wasn't even that it wasn't streaming. You couldn't rent it. You couldn't buy it. it I think it might be on the Criterion Collection. I'm not 100% sure. I think it might be. But like, it wasn't even on there. And it was, like, maddening, because I'm like, I just want to fucking see this movie. Yeah, it's like one of those things that once you know it's not available for you, you want to see even more. I'm going to give a content warning, though, because a lot of people find this movie very disturbing. Yeah. So, just tread carefully, because I personally have not watched it yet. But we'll have sidetracks in between those episodes. But with that, I don't think there's anything else we need to say or want to say about Nanny, except go watch on Amazon Prime. Yes. Go watch and it in some Prime. Watch out for her next film, which maybe we'll get to cover. Have a good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to us. I listen to podcasts in the shower, so have a great shower, everybody. Uh, or sometimes when I'm walking. So if you're walking your dog, watch out! There's someone behind you! I'm just kidding. Hopefully there's not. Make sure you Shia check yourself. <laughs> what? It's Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> watch out, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Keep that. <laughs> Make your dreams come true. Make your dreams come true. Anyways, um, but we love you guys. Uh, we'll check back in with the Oscars, whether we were wrong or right on um, sidetracks, I'm sure. And we'll see you guys next week for sidetracks. And just take care of one another. Take care of yourself. Take care of your mental health. And... Don't let them make drag shows illegal. It's really bothering me. Maybe we should do that on sidetracks, but everybody watch Paris is Burning for homework. It's a great, great, great documentary about drag queens and what they had to already fight through. And I'm getting real pissy because everyone's pretty sure Governor Meemaw got some creepy ass bill like Tennessee approved sleeve. And I swear I will, I will sue Governor Meemaw. I cannot watch a drag show again. It is the lifeblood of the community and y'all. I, I'm just gonna say, this is what I'm gonna say. I saw Mrs. Doubtfire as a little kid. It's one of my favorite family friendly feature films. There is drag all over that show, and I do not feel like it disturbed me as a person at all. I feel like I'm a functioning human society. Didn't change who I was. Like 95% of the time, right? 95% of the time. <laughs> but I mean, like, Mrs. Doubt, seeing a man in drag did not make me. A degenerate. So I don't really understand why it's a problem now. Because you're trying to distract the real problem. Because you're not helping people. Anyways. But I love you guys. We love you guys. And I just want to be sure that we all 
think about that with it being Women's History Month too, the intersectionality of women and everybody and everybody like it's not just about women, it's about how everybody who people who get marginalized, we affect everybody. And whether it's women, people of color, transgender people, drag queens, it's affecting everybody and you don't understand that until you eradicate a group of people and then you're like, oh, that was wrong. It's wrong and we know it's wrong, so don't fucking do it. Anyways, love you guys. Sorry, it's been bothering me all week. But this is my soapbox. This is our soapbox. Or what do you want to say? Um, I'm going to say I'm like over here nodding and agreeing with everything Katie said and then I'm like, oh god, 6 a.m. so I'm early. So it's like, it is. Yeah. But, um, but I agree. I agree. I, um, that's the only one bad thing about recording at night is that like I hit that I hit that slope mm-hmm. and I'm like mm-hmm. I'm just like well, she is nodding though. Yeah, I, I promise. Ryan's here too. He can also yeah. verify. Um, it's not a secret turf. I promise. Yeah, no, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> either one of us. Yeah, but we love you guys. Uh, take care of yourselves and each other. Can we? Thank you for always listening, and we just look forward to seeing you next time. Uh, stay spooky, stay spooky channel. Stay spooky, y'all. Bye. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.